Hey everybody, and welcome to another MyJS story. This week we're going to be talking to Kim Carter. Um, this is the first time I've done this where we actually recorded the JavaScript Jabber episode and the MyJS story in the same week. Um, so it'll be interesting. His episode will be really fresh. Um, I believe the episode number is 251, but since the episode hasn't been released yet, um, that may change. So uh, go check it out. You can go to de uh, devchat.tv. Uh, slash js dash jabber and just do a search for Kim Carter and you should be able to find his episode. Uh, Kim, do you want to uh, just uh, give us a brief introduction? Who you are, what you do? Yeah, hi. Um, my name's Kim Carter. Um, I'm a software engineer. Um, do quite a bit of architecture. Uh, a web developer. Um, do quite a bit of penetration testing and um, and security assessments. Um, I'm in the, in the middle of uh, writing a three-part book series. Um, I run a couple of uh, New Zealand-based information security conferences and generally stay probably too busy. That's pretty much me. Awesome. So um, let's just jump right into this. Um, I've been asking people the same questions on these calls. Uh, I sent you the questions beforehand, so uh, hopefully you've had a little bit of time to think about what you want to say. Uh, the first question is, how did you get into programming? Are you trying to figure out how to stay current with Ruby and Rails? I'm putting on a two-day online conference called Ruby Remote Conf. You can check it out at rubyremoteconf.com. Like I said, it's a two-day conference where you can come and listen to speakers and experts from all around the world talk to you about issues pertaining to Ruby and web development. We have an online Slack channel a roundtable discussion on Zoom, and all of the talks are given over Google Hangouts, and all of the talks will be streamed to you live. Come check us out at rubyremoteconf.com. Uh, the first question is, how did you get into programming? Yeah, so um, there's quite a bit of history there because I'm, I'm uh, 44 years old, so I've been working for quite a while. Uh, so I'm a carpenter by trade. I started, oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. So, um, so out of school, I actually started uh, working at a wetsuit factory, and and then decided <laughs> that definitely wasn't for me, and um, and so went hunting for a, a an apprenticeship in carpentry, and basically uh, spent about ten years in the uh, building trade. Um, I had a couple of building businesses. Um, uh, and my body started giving me troubles, like I had sore knees and back and <laughs> and uh, wrists and elbows, sort of all sorts of stuff, uh, just uh, from a lot of heavy lifting and uh, throwing tools around and that sort of thing. Um, so I decided to go back to school, and um, I basically uh, started uh, thinking about what could be the hardest possible thing uh, that I could uh, get stuck into because I was quite bored in my job as well. Um, like I was really interested in doing like the trigonometry um, and setting up roofs and that sort of thing. But besides that, it was it was sort of like uh, I guess you could say the novelty had worn off. Um, so I decided to um, work out what would be the hardest thing for me, and all I could think of was um, uh, was programming. And so yes, yeah, so I went back to school in two thousand and uh, graduated in 2001 
uh, with a um, deployment business program um, and got a job as a tester uh, for the uh, second largest uh, mobile development uh, shop in the world at the time. Uh, that was um, it was Holiday Group, but it um, but it changed names to iTouch and then to Black Bay. Um, and then I was moved to a development position about six months later, and then spent about fourteen months uh, there as a developer. And at that stage, I uh, couldn't actually afford to keep doing what I was doing because I was getting uh, paid so much less than I was in the building uh, trade. And yeah, unlike uh, most developers, I uh, I found breaking things uh, came. Uh, very natural to me. So, yeah. So, uh, it was it was quite hard for the um, uh, for the software company to actually uh, let me out of uh, testing and uh, to move on to, to development because I was um, quite good at my job. So, um, so anyway, I went back. Can Can I just uh, jump yeah. in here for a minute because I think this is. Yeah. It's it's interesting, and we see a lot of people doing uh, somewhat what you've been doing or what you did to get into the programming industry, and that is, you know, they they did something else for a long time, and then realized either they couldn't or didn't want to continue with uh, the career path that they were on, and so they they learned a program. You know, a lot of people these days, you know, you, you mentioned this was back in like two thousand two thousand one, but a lot of people these days are going to boot camps and things like that. Um, have you found, cause I have people, uh, ask me questions like, well, um, you know, it seems like the industry wants people who've been programming since they were four or, you know, yep. people are asking, you know, you, you mentioned that you went to school for like two years, um, or, or maybe less. And so, you yeah, know, yeah, other people a, are like, just yeah, so, you know, I, I don't think you have a bachelor's degree in computer science unless you were just, that's all you did. So do you find that that really impacts your ability to hold down a job, do the work you want to do, anything like that? No, not at all. I, I sort of – basically, I just um, put everything into it. And um, I like I used to turn up really early, leave late, and then basically when I got home, I would just get um, straight back into my learning. Um, so – and <laughs> to, uh, to be honest, that hasn't really changed over the – <laughs> um, over the um, fifteen years, so basically now when I, um, you know, when the, I clock out, uh, I don't really clock out. I just uh, carry on with my own uh, projects and that sort of thing. Yeah. The other thing I want to point out is that uh, you mentioned that you're you're forty four now, and this was like seventeen yep. years ago. So you were probably in your late twenties, um, almost yep. thirty. And again, I mean, people think, oh, well, you know. Um, if I if I were only nineteen or twenty, then, then maybe I could break in, and and I just want to I just want to highlight that too. I mean, yeah. it's it, you can come into this from whatever at whatever age, and you know Kim has developed quite the expertise. We'll talk about that, but you can do that. Uh, you know, like I said, at any age. You know, I have a friend. Yeah. She's almost forty. She has five kids. She's actually my wife's one of my wife's best friends, and she's going through freecodecamp.com. And she's getting into code now. And so, you know, if, if a mom of five kids with certain health problems can, you know, get into it, you know, Kim can get into it at 28. Um, I made the career change at 25. You know, yeah. it, it's yeah. it's an opportunity yeah. for anybody and everybody if they want it. 
Yeah, it really depends on how much I think you want the change and how much you want the challenge and, you know, whatever it is that drives you, how dedicated you are to actually um, achieve it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So as you were making these uh, transitions out of testing and into uh, development and things like that, um, how did you wind up doing things like JavaScript and web development? Because now you, you talk about like InfoSec with web technologies and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, h- how did you make the, the transition to move into the, the area of web and InfoSec? Yeah, so so basically it was, um, it was um, what I actually did is I went back to building again because I couldn't afford to uh, keep uh, working in the um, software development industry, just wasn't paying enough. So I went back to building for a couple of years and that was enough um, to make enough money to actually go back uh, into programming again. Um, so so I went back to Black Bay as a support engineer uh, for one and a half years. And then uh, from there moved on to Amendo, which is now McKesson, as a tester again. And then I moved to um, a development position and was doing that for 20 years and then moved to a company called Pay Global and worked as a software engineer for two and a half years and then to a company called uh, Telegis and was working as a senior engineer there. And that was my for, um, our first foray into JavaScript. And it, um, to me, it seemed quite different, um, well, very different because I was um, from a C, C++ background mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden um, I was immersed in a huge sea of JavaScript that was um, – it was a huge application, and there were uh, there was little in the way of frameworks around at that stage to help you. So everything was based around um, you know, like how you could set up structure uh, using uh, the patterns that we'd already all learned, and uh, create a huge application uh, that would actually <laughs> uh, work. And it was it was quite a lot of effort, and I basically just um, immersed myself into JavaScript and started off with um, um, a bunch of, uh, well, a collection of really good resources like uh, JavaScript, the good parts, and then that pretty much will set me up uh, to know, um, you know, what the good parts were and what the bad parts were, and then move on to some other resources, and then I could start pushing the language mm-hmm. because I had a good base. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious, what were the things that challenged you when you moved from the C and C++ world into the JavaScript world? Like, what were the things that just yes. really hung you up? Uh, so basically the biggest thing was um, uh, the insane amount of freedom. And, I mean, it was like I just couldn't understand how you could just change types. And, well, yeah, it was just um, things seemed unbelievably easy but also quite difficult to debug at the same time because I just wasn't used to it. Um, that just took sort of like um, a few months to sort of uh, start getting used to that. And, you know, once you throw yourself into some really good learning material, like, um, you know, like talking to some other people that are uh, that have already been through it, and there's actually not that many people that sort of understand uh, JavaScript um, quite deeply. So you want to sort of... Um, hang on to those people and listen to what their suggestions are for like you know, reading material and learning material and that sort of thing. And just <laughs> throw yourself at it. And like when the workday finishes, just, you know, get stuck into it and um, basically start building some projects 
um, as you're learning. That's what I found the best way to mm-hmm. uh, learn. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I think a lot of people think that you kind of get to quote unquote senior developer and then you've arrived, right? And, uh, <laughs> you know, you make a career change like this or even in the technology that you already know well that you're working in, you still have to continue to do that kind of thing. You still need to be reading the books and reading the blogs and, you know, seeing what people are doing and all of these different things to stay uh, to stay current yeah. or stay ahead. And if yeah, you're think... not, then you're falling behind and you're not exactly. doing the right you're, – you're not – how do I put it? You're, in my opinion, you're not doing right by your employer, but you're also not doing right by yourself for your own career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think once you've been given the job title as of senior, um, it, it, in reality, it doesn't really mean much other than um, it's a starting point in a place um, where you can start to uh, flourish and you can start to push yourself harder and, and those around you. And if there's people in the room around you like um there's a saying um if you're the smartest person in the room then you're in the wrong room and <laughs> yep i mean as a junior and intermediate then you know i mean you get brought up to the seniors level but what happens when you're a senior and it's like well are you struggling to find people that understand uh, the language uh, better than you mm-hmm. well then you've you know you've got to um, hunt out other people that do so as a senior that's what you do you're always looking for the better people than yourself yeah, so the collection of um, books that I actually went through um, in order was uh, JavaScript, The Good Parts, uh, a JavaScript, The Definitive Guide, which was quite an interesting one because when I, once I started going through that um, Bible, essentially, because it was huge, uh, I, I found so many mistakes and things in there that uh, just uh, didn't work. And, oh, really? Uh, based on reading, yeah, yeah, based on reading uh, The Good Parts. So, uh, but it was good because that taught me to start uh, pushing on doors and um, trying things that I hadn't tried before and essentially breaking things. And then um, after that, it was uh, JavaScript Patterns by Stoyan Stefanov, which was also excellent. And that just basically opened my eyes to um, a whole lot of different ways that you could do uh, uh, different types of, types of things that you're trying to achieve. And then um, into um, the likes of Effective JavaScript by uh, David Herman. And, yeah, as we know, there's lots of other resources. Mm-hmm. And JavaScript Jabber, of course. I mean, <laughs> and other um, podcasts, basically just immerse myself in that, um, that sort of thing. And, like, on the way to work and home, I'm, I listen to podcasts all the time. You mentioned JavaScript Jabber. Are there other shows you listen to? Uh, yeah, I've, I've <laughs> uh, there's a lot of them. Um, so, I mean, there's the .NET Rocks, there's Hansel Minutes. Um, I, I'm into um, security in quite a big way. So there's, uh, there's a collection of probably about um, eight security podcasts uh, that I'm listening to as well. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so you, you get into JavaScript. How do you go from JavaScript to, to the security-focused stuff? Did you just kind of fall into that in a job or was it an interest that yeah, you so had from something else? So that I think came from uh, my uh, testing background. So back in uh, 2001 uh, when I got put into testing and just uh, realized that some um, bugs came to me, I didn't have to actually go and look for them. Whereas uh, with most developers, that's 
not really how it works. So I, I just I find it really easy to break things. Things just fall apart in my hands generally. Um, so basically, it's like um, so. So when you um, I get uh, quite a wee way on in development, and um, you know you feel comfortable in uh, languages, uh, quite a few different languages and that sort of thing, and you're looking for uh, new challenges. It's like uh, well, you know, I can learn so many languages, and I can uh, learn how the languages themselves actually work, and and um, the run times and everything else uh, behind them. Uh, you know, what's the next challenge? And uh, for me, the next challenge is uh, security because it's it's harder still, but it also uh, you get to leverage uh, your existing uh, skills that you uh, built up from being a tester, and you uh, which are basically things like just being inquisitive, um, poking and prodding at things, and essentially hacking at things um, and cobbling things together, which is quite a different mindset uh, to development and engineering. Development in engineering is sort of like you know you're making a judgment calls on that are based on um, I guess elegant things like patterns and um, and things that you know should work. Whereas whereas our security is more based on things that you don't really know work, but you just want to give it a try anyway. So you're poking and prodding and hacking away at things, and then eventually you break it. Yeah, yeah makes sense. So uh, we, we you know, the first question is, how do you get into programming? The second question is, how did you get into JavaScript? The third question is, um, what have you done out in the JavaScript community that people should look at? Yeah, so um, so there's quite a bit of, um, there's quite a bit um, around JavaScript uh, solutions and that sort of thing in uh, the second uh, volume of my uh, book series, um, especially in the web applications chapter. Uh, also, I've I've done a lot of blogging. I've been blogging for quite a few years. Uh, so if you basically just jumped on there and um, and have looked at the uh, uh, JavaScript tags and web development tags and that sort of thing, you'll find um, a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, I've been sort of um, doing presentations and running trainings um, all around the world for quite a while, and that's um, I really enjoy that as well. Um, We'll, we'll have to get links to a lot of those in the show notes. Um, I'll, I'll have Kim yeah. go ahead and share that in. I have I have a notes document here that he can type those into when he gets a minute. But yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I mean, like some of the blog posts um, that I write, well, pretty much all the blog posts um, that I've written have come out of people asking questions and and me getting annoyed with um, giving this, giving them the, uh, the same answers over and over again. Yep. So I just write a blog post and then point them to it. So some of those in, in JavaScript are like uh, prototypal inheritance, uh, uh, composition over inheritance, which is not really um, JavaScript specific, but the examples are in JavaScript. Uh, closures, uh, object creation patterns, extending, carrying, and monkey patching, uh, scoping and hoisting. Yeah, and yeah, quite a few other things in there. I'm also a, a core contributor on the uh, NodeGoat project, which is a a purposely vulnerable a node web application. So node also, goat. Yeah. Yep. So so it's purposefully vulnerable. What 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 does that take? <laughs> what do you have to do to write a, yes. a node application that is deliberately vulnerable? 
Do you, do you actually um, have to so turn off security features or do you just write it and not put any in? Yeah, it's, it's in, in most times it's just uh, not thinking about security. Uh, so what this application does is, um, uh, have you found the link? I'll, well, I can just, uh, I'll grab it. Yeah, and, I think uh, I found it. Okay, it's, it's an OWASP um, project. So it's a uh, git, it's uh, yeah, GitHub. Yeah, I've got it. OWASP. GitHub.com OWASP yeah. node goat. Yep. And there's also um, a wiki that I've got uh, that goes with that, uh, which is a, um, it, it's a, um, it's a regression testing uh, uh, set of tests. Well, actually, there's only one test in there. It tests the profile uh -huh. route. But okay. uh, what it does is, as I was talking in the uh, last interview um, in JavaScript, Jabber, uh, so this one uses uh, OWASP, uh, the OWASP um, HTTP API. And what it does, it uh, fires off requests to the Node app, but it proxies them through um, OWASP's app and then tells that uh, that it wants the profile route tested. Mm -hmm. And then basically that goes off and tests, um, goes off and tests the profile route and then comes back with a bunch of insecurities. And then we fix the insecurities and then run the app again. And uh, this is one of the ones, one of the exercises that I use in a few of my workshops and it's in my book as well. And it basically just um, is a good way of, are saving a lot of money uh, because you get to fix your defects as part of your development work rather than waiting to the end of the project before you find out about your defects. Right. And then have, yeah, and then have to go and basically put all the code back into your head and basically understand it all again after it's mm -hmm. been, you know, like it could have been months since you actually wrote that code. Yeah, I think that's so a lot all, of the reason why... I think that's a lot of the reason why people do things like continuous integration with their unit tests and stuff like that is for the same reason, right? Yeah. They catch those problems before they get pushed out. They're just not necessarily security issues. They're just other bugs and defects. Yeah. Yeah. So NodeGoat also has a set of tutorials with it, um, oh, wow. which has, yeah, which has some uh, videos and uh, some training material. It covers the OWASP top 10. So, so basically, it's got quite a few comments in the code in that as well, which gives you hints about what you need to do in order to provide the fixes. So if you watch the videos and work through the tutorials, it'll give you a pretty good idea of uh, where the defects are, and then you can just go in there and fix them. And uh, that's uh, quite a good way to learn what the OWASP top 10 is. And then, and then with the likes of my security regression testing, if you just run that and then go and fix your uh, our vulnerabilities and then run it again, you'll see all the tests pass. So all this uh, sort of solidifies into your, into your mind as a developer uh, what the issues are and how to fix them. And, of course, how the uh, security regression testing could be really helpful uh, to you and your uh, development team. Very cool. Uh, what are you working on now? Uh, yeah, so most of my time at the moment is taken up on uh, the second volume of my book okay. series, um, that's Holistic InfoSec for Web Developers. 
Um, so I've just completed a section on uh, Windows exploitation and persistence with PowerShell. Yeah, I did a I did a wee, uh, a demonstration at the local um, ISIG chapter last night, which is uh, the Information Security Interest Group, and um, currently organising uh, two of those um, InfoSec conferences I mentioned in, I think I mentioned them in JavaScript Jabber. So one's um, the OWASP New Zealand Day. Um, that's run uh, manually and a Christchurch Hacker Conference, which is run at the end of the year. Uh, I'm sort of in the middle of doing quite a few uh, uh, trainings and uh, presentations, like I'm setting them up to do. I've got a few for um, clients to do and some, uh, like my next one is at DevSecCon and I'll be doing sort of like a, um, well, DevSec is basically like um, a DevOps, but it's got a security focus. So it's about bringing the security focus into uh, your development practices. So there's actually a conference for it. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, and and um, available for contract work at the moment. Very cool. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com. Very cool. Well, the the last thing that we do as part of the show is picks. So uh, you were just on JavaScript Jabber, so you you know what picks are. Um, do you have some things you want to shout out about as part of the show? Yeah, yeah. So um, I thought probably the, uh, the first one could be uh, Node Goat, which is which is given um, uh, a lot of web developers um, a, a pretty good insight on what the OWASP top ten is and how it applies to. Uh, node or how you can apply it to Node, and it's a really good way of learning about uh, what the insecurities in the OWASP top ten look like and and how you can go about fixing them. Um, number two, I think would have to be my family, um, especially my wife. She uh, uh, keeps me down to earth when sort of uh, life gets away um, on me and that, and you know, <laughs> brings me back to ground zero. Uh, and pretty much, um, I mean, if you neglect everything but one thing in this life, just make sure it's your wife mm -hmm. uh, or your husband if you're female. Um, and uh, Professor Frisbee's, I think this may have been mentioned on JavaScript Java before, uh, Professor Frisbee's uh, Most Adequate Guide to Functional Programming. I'll uh, throw links in the show note as well. It's, um, I'm just starting to uh, look through that as well. It looks pretty good. Awesome. So uh, the first pick is a pr uh, plugin that I use. is It's kind of the backup recording because I use another system to record these shows. But uh, the backup recording that I get is um, Ecamm Call Recorder. And it just automatically records all the Skype calls. And since we do these on Skype, it just takes care of that, which is really, really nice. Uh, the other system that I'm going to pick is 
another thing that I kind of take for granted that works and, and does what it's supposed to do, and that is Google Drive. Um, so the notes that we're sharing on this and the way that I give all of the files and everything else to my podcast editor and stuff like that is done with uh, Google Drive, and it is really terrific. Um, incidentally, my, my son, who's been doing kind of a at-home charter school thing, um, he he's had to do some spreadsheet stuff and we've been doing all that in Google Drive too. And so it's, it's been working pretty well. So anyway, um, really digging that. So yeah, those are my picks. Um, Kim, if people want to see what you're working on or they want to read your blog, cause you mentioned that or things like that, where do they go to get that? Uh, so, um, so my books at uh, lean pub, a lean pub. So if you just search for, uh, Holistic InfoSec for web developers. I'll also paste a link in the uh, show notes. And uh, my blog is just blog.binarymist.net. And my uh, homepage is binarymist.io. Awesome. Are you on Twitter or anywhere else where people will see you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so on Twitter, I'm just binarymist. Okay. Well, thank you for coming, Kim. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, let everybody kind of enjoy and digest it, uh, tell them to go check out your book, and we'll catch everyone next week. Cheers. Cheers. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.